I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, good afternoon to you. A warm welcome from all of us here at AusBiz. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, all over the space of an hour. It's Thursday, the 9th of December, and I'm Nadine Blaney. We've got two great guests lined up for you today. I'm not going to waste any time off the top. I'll introduce them first. We've got Claude Walker from A Rich Life joining us via Skype and Carl Kepwalinga from Think Markets over in Perth. Gentlemen, welcome to the program on this Thursday. Feels like we're counting down into Christmas. And boy, that was a pretty stellar market performance we had there yesterday, Claude, and uh, not quite backing it up today, but still, what do you make of where we sit in terms of, of the overall picture? Well, I think that we're still in a, in a risk-off cycle. And even though we had a massive bounce yesterday, a lot of my riskier growth stocks are still below where they were just a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. So to me, it still feels like we're in a risk-off zone. If I didn't have heaps of cash sitting on the sideline already, just for pure personal reasons, that I'm starting my SMSF soon. Um, if I didn't have that, I'd be wanting some cash. But as it is, you know, as a long-term investor, I try not to constantly try to anticipate every market move because just too difficult. Carl, what do you think in terms of Claude's sentiment that it still feels like it's a risk-off environment out there despite yesterday's pop? Yeah, look, I I, I can um, empathise with uh, Claude's sentiments there about a a number of stocks that I watch um, that were doing very, very well, you know, a month, a few weeks ago, uh, obviously pulled back on, um, you know, various reasons, Omicron, hawkish Fed, etc., general risk-off sentiment, and haven't recovered. Um, having said that, there are a number that uh, that are building, building a base and, and certainly looking good enough to do so. Um, you know, uh, he said he doesn't like to anticipate every move of the market. It's kind of my job, unfortunately, here, here at Think Markets. It comes with the territory, um, and I like to use the charts to do that. Uh, I can give you some key levels on the yes, A6200, if you like, mm-hmm. Nadine. Yes, yep. please. Okay. Uh, very important. Yesterday's uh, move up... Uh, was actually a, a very important one. Took us above some key resistance levels mm-hmm. there at 73.33. So tick, tick, tick. Uh, the next level up is 74.74 to 74, uh, 74.74 to 74.80. That's the, like, I can't understate uh, the the importance of that level. Um, it's a major resistance. So it's, if we can close above that, then I do think we'll go up and make new highs. And seasonally, it's the right time of the year. As long as we stay below that, I think you want to exercise a degree of caution. Thank you, Carl. Let's get right to it. The stock of the day is EBOS Group. Now, why? That is because it has made an acquisition. It's buying Life Healthcare's Australian and New Zealand units and 51% of Life Healthcare's Asian unit, Transmedic, from private equity for almost $1.2 billion. It will be funded by a $742 million cap raise. So Life Healthcare is a medtech business which supplies device implants and other equipment for spinal and orthopedic surgery. So EBOS's CEO, John Culletty, saying it's an important step in the medical devices strategy, providing greater exposure to the high growth sector, as well as a measured entry into Southeast Asia. 
Claude, I'll start with you. Eboss Group, do you think that this is a company that's a bit underrated? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this just a disclosure. I've owned this for a while. I think you know, even when the call started back in the midst of the pandemic, that's when I first talked about it on this show because basically, Ebos Group was a company that is so big and well run and resilient in healthcare that I was willing to buy it even when I was most freaked out about the pandemic because you know they have a huge network of like say the terry white chemists that you'd be aware of in australia they have a, a huge pharmaceutical distri distribution healthcare distribution network so you know and they actually do distribution for chemist warehouse as well although of course there's a bit of risk in that since chemist warehouse is such a big player the point is that these guys are huge in healthcare distribution and obviously that's going to be pretty uh solid no matter what happens and you know sure enough you know in the last year it has been a strong run as we're seeing on the chart there now uh so uh, to answer your question briefly yeah i do think it's underrated it's a big solid in my view has blue chip kind of qualities um but yet people don't talk about it that much okay so um that's quite the chart that we're seeing over the five years Ooh, it's in trading halt today obviously but uh would you be a buyer of eboss now yeah so uh of course, now it's, it is starting to get a little bit uh, of the recognition it deserves and its dividend yield, which is like the main reason that I do own the shares is down to, I think, about two and a half percent. So that's probably a little bit lower than I'd like to get it. Uh, maybe looking for around three percent dividend yield for a sort of solidly slow grower like this one. Um, however, you know, it's a really pertinent question because as a shareholder, I'm going to have the right to subscribe for shares at like, I think, around 3280 or something like that is a little bit below the current place i'm talking about in aud right now um so because it's also illicit mm -hmm. on the nz stock exchange but uh so i don't know if i will actually subscribe to those shares yet to be honest um i probably won't but this is definitely one that i'll still i'm holding on to it and i'm i may buy some more discounted shares especially if the share price stays where it is but generally i'm not that enthusiastic a buyer but it is the kind of stock that um, I think of as quite defensive and therefore, you know, I don't mind buying it if there's some massive sell-off because I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll survive. Carl, maybe that's where we can pick it up with you for eBoss Group. If you look at price and momentum, would you look to pick this company up at a cheaper price? Yeah, I, look, I think uh, Claude should take up his uh, his entitlement there. And if you can get them at a bit of a discount, why not? I mean, we saw in the, a chart earlier on, it just is great trends, you know, bottom left, top right. And they're my favourite kind of charts. And, you know, my philosophy is, you know, the, the reason why it's doing so well is because the market is understanding um, why you want to own this stock. So lots of people are demanding the stock price wants to go up and very few people are supplying the, the stock and that's helping price go up. And you think about the demanders, they're obviously looking at the bigger picture. So they want to own it. You think about the suppliers. They don't want to sell it. Why don't they want to sell it? Because they think there's more in it. So bottom left, top right, I think is, is, is a great start. Um, and uh, I zoomed out when Claude said uh, he was talking about it during the pandemic. I zoomed out because I thought, you know, even a lot of healthcare stocks had this huge drop in the pandemic. Uh, and of course, a huge rally. This one barely flinched. It was actually so strong in the pandemic. It sort of speaks to the underlying defensive nature of this business and just how solid it is and how diverse it is. And um, I looked at, I've only seen headline stuff for the acquisition today, Nadine, but it looked pretty solid. I mean, I think they're getting it at a pretty reasonable price. Um, it was 11 times uh, EV to EBITDA compared to, the, you know, the, the, the group's sort of 17 times. So I think that's um, pretty good for them. It's going to be EBITDA creative. It's a solid business, as Claude says, um, sort of high single digit growth rate. So it's not one for those you know, crazy growth investors. It's more for your self-managed super fund, 
core portfolio holding to answer your question would i buy it uh, in the um to take up the, the discount your, your allocation if you hold it yes i would buy it there if i didn't have it would i add it to a long-term self-management fund portfolio yes i would thank you so that is the stock of the day eboss group ebo now 10 I minutes think, past the but sorry oh i just have to say i think carl made me think of a, a point why i would actually be more bullish about it is as it gets more liquid i think that this is going to get on more radars so for that reason, I probably will take up my um, entitlement offer because I think that we might just see a little bit of liquidity mm-hmm. snowball at coming now. So, so I reckon maybe it is actually a good time. Carl, he's taking your advice. There I, you I go. Might have, I might have convinced him. <laughs> <laughs> Push me over the edge. What this show is for. Okay, so Claude, I'm going to put that in the in the buy basket for you then, Claude, because uh, that's, uh, that's what I've decided to do. So that will go into the Ausbiz portfolio. Neo Metals is the first company on the list that our viewers have written in about. NMT is the ticker code. This is for Chris. I'll start with you over there in Perth, Carl. Yeah, why not? I'm mm. pretty sure it's a Perth-based company, so it's a good place to start for Neo Metals. Um, obviously, the main operation is over in Germany. Uh, Hasselback, Hasselbike, I can't pronounce it, but uh, they've got a uh, JV over there with a big uh, German uh, company, uh, sort of a, a, a industrial plant uh, fabricator, and they've built this uh, battery recycling operation. So it's sort of a test phase at the moment. The goal is to recycle up to um, 10,000 tonnes per day of battery materials, and it's a very green process. And I think that's kind of the key to all of this. So very little waste, very little energy required, and not using a lot of sort of nasty chemicals uh, to do the job. So this whole idea of um, electric vehicles, of course, is is this green idea. And if you've ever seen an EV battery commercial and the Toyotas are doing them and Volkswagens are doing them. It's all about clean and green and and, and a wonderful green future, of course. So you can't um, talk the talk and not walk the walk. So here's the thing. Uh, And so they're they're aiming to be Europe's largest battery recycler in the not too distant future. Um, There's going to be about 30 million EVs in the EU by 2030, Nadine. So each one of those is going to have a battery pack that weighs about three 100 kilograms so 30 million times 300 uh we're talking about 9 million tons of batteries that are going to be spent somewhere around 2040 to 2050 okay so these things don't last forever 100 percent are going to be spent and you've got to do something with them uh eu is mandating that uh, sort of minimum recycling components in new batteries uh, that's soon to come in uh bottom line is that there is a massive massive opportunity for um, Neo Metals, which is a first mover in the space with an incredibly green and incredibly efficient uh, process. It's been nominated for all, all sorts of awards. So um, I like it. I'm, I'm a true believer in the stock. Uh, maybe that um, sort of, uh, you know, sort of influences me a little bit. I have been backing the stock for a long time. I called it one of my uh, life-changing stocks back with Koshi in July. Mm-hmm. It's done very well since then. I, I would continue to back it. It's hard to um, forecast cash flows on this because there aren't at this point in time. Their goal is to scale up to a, tw- a 20,000 uh, tonne per annum operation, but then to a 200,000 tonne per annum operation. Um, if I could just one more point, paint the picture. I said uh, 9 million tonnes of batteries are going to need to be recycled somewhere around 2040, 2045. The current global capacity for recycling is less than a million tonnes. And most of that's in China and most of it's for the Chinese market. The Chinese aren't taking, uh, aren't importing battery uh, products as a ban on that. So there's a massive, massive gap that needs to be filled. These guys are one of the first movers in the space and I think you need to own it. Um, have a longer term view. It's going to ebb and flow. It could pull back 20, 30%, but I think you want to have some skin in the game here. It's a buy for me. Thank you. 
Claude, Neo Metals, what do you think? Well, it's always good to get Carl on the show with me because then he has a different view of all of these um, these kind of more idea companies than I do. Uh, because, I mean, that's totally a compelling pitch and I could definitely see how this company could succeed uh, long term. But for me, um, you know, at the moment what I see when I look at it is I see a company that has, you know, around $80 million cash, uh, I think $590 million market cap and, and zero revenue and it's burning cash every year as it sets up, you know, all these recycling, um, battery recycling and vanadium recovering kind of uh, joint ventures that it's got going on. Obviously, um, you know, and they also, they basically, they want to be totally involved in this, in the battery life cycle, which is great. And I like hope that there is great recycling and, and people make a profit doing that. But when you don't have even revenues yet you don't even know what the gross profit margin is likely to be it's all just conjecture and ideas and all those kind of things and when you have a hot idea which you do at the moment which is like anything related to evs is hot okay like there's there's companies that say they're going to mine lithium you know despite the local community being like hell no and they have you know huge market caps as if they're going to even do it and they might not even be able to do it you know there's just so much excitement around this that a lot of these stories that have something to do with that space they can get amazing momentum and that that alone can be a whole journey for the company is what happens in the hype stage of it or the share price goes up they raise capital blah 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 there's going to be another phase of this company which is when it's actually operating and it's making um its first revenues and we're going to see its margins and we're going to see what profits it can make. It's quite possible that if this company even gets to that stage, then the market will be actually disappointed with the eventual profitability at some point. That's more where I'd be looking to get on board this kind of story. Once I can see what its actual profitability is, and ideally once a whole bunch of people who bought it for the story are disappointed in selling, that would be maybe when I would have a go at it. For me, this is just too early stage right now. Thank you. Let's get on to the next one on our list. It's Bubs Australia for Trudy, B-U-B. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Bubs? Um, now, we've, we know the story about yeah. getting into China and the importance of the Chinese market and obviously some of the overhang on that right now. But um, is its product special enough? Is its brand strong enough to see it gain in value and make you money at the end of the day? Yeah, look, look I hope so. I mean, yeah, you always want these... Aussie companies to succeed uh, abroad. Um, obviously, uh, COVID's driven a big truck through their earnings uh, on the Daigu sales channels. And we probably don't need to talk too much about that, Nadine, because I think viewers are fairly aware of what's happened to A2 Milk. And it, it's a direct reflection here. Uh, sort of looking forward, you know, the last quarterly update was was very positive and a big rebound in revenues. Um, I think they even uh, snuck into operational uh, OCF, so operational cash flow positive, by about 500,000. That was kind of burning a couple of million per quarter before that. Um, so on the up and up, uh, the question is whether you should buy it and whether there's value there. And that's a little bit trickier. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the I'm going to probably defer to the chart here because uh, because of the, the dynamism of, of what's going on on the fundamentals. I think the chart is the best place uh, to actually look at. If I can find the thing, then that's probably the best way to go. <laughs> here it is. Um, so we've got this long term, uh, obviously, downtrend. It got a bit of a pop up, literally, if you look at the chart on that uh, 13th of October, I think it was quarterly mm -hmm. update. Um, and it started to look quite good, you know, volume fundamentals, um, uh, price action fundamentals looking quite good. And then it's sort of just uh, sort of just drifting back again. Look, I think 
there's something going on. There's enough going on in the chart to, to watch it. I don't think it's a buy just yet. I think there's enough in it to hold it. I'd become more interested um, because I'm more of a momentum sort of trader. If it was to push back up through, say, 55 cents, and get some some nice candles and closes above that level, then it would signal to me that this first push up is being supported. So uh, bull markets are all about buy the dip, okay? Up to this point for the last 18 months, this has been all about sell the rally, okay? And that's the, the, the shift, the fundamental shift we need to make. So if we can get a pushback up through 55, it's telling me we're moving back into this buy the dip phase, and then I get start to get interested. So, so there's nothing to hold it, but it's not a buy for me right now. Thank you. Fundamentally, how do you view the company, Claude? I look, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest it's a particularly good business. I think, you know, Carl uh, makes some really great bull points there. For example, the operating, uh, actually even free cash flow positive in the most recent quarter is undoubtedly um, something that could signify uh, a better times ahead. On the other hand, you know, I think, um, Carl, I think I find you a little bit too generous there, uh, blaming, like letting them get away with blaming it on COVID and stuff. There's been problems with the Daigu um, channel for these guys well before COVID anyway. And, um, you know, in fact, if, if we zoom out it, way back to um, the second half of FY 2018, um, they had 13.7 million revenue. And then three years later, now they've got in the, in the second half of, of FY 2021, 21 uh, million, three years later but in that time they like lost about 70 million right so and the increase is only about 40 million in revenue so that to me says that actually this is a tough business don't forget bub sort of floated around the time a few years ago now when bellamy's and a2 milk were riding absolutely high on that daigu trade there was a lot of hype and excitement around formula companies as if this is you know the white gold i'm pretty sure the headline said i used to joke about baby formula as a service uh, you know, those days are long gone. Um, in their AGM presentation, the word COVID appeared five times. I couldn't find the word profit once. So um, hard pass from me. Hard pass. Thank you. That was for Trudy, by the way. Trudy, I hope you're watching and enjoying this information that's being supplied. Obviously, it's not suited to your particular financial circumstances. So please keep that in mind. Now, the next one on the list is an interesting company. It's for Shivneet. It's Fiji Kava F. IJ is the ticker code. It listed a while ago, not profitable, but it does have products in, you know, Chemist Warehouse. It's also got a recent share placement deal where Chemist Warehouse will be doing advertising for it, raising capital, planning to go into the US. Now, this is the context, right? Shiva says, do you think it could be worth a punt going forward? What do you think, Carl? Well, the market capitalization is only 13 million. So in, in you know, from that respect, it is a tiny, tiny, tiny micro cap. I mean, it's so small. Uh, so, so maybe on that basis, your downside is fairly limited. The Look, there's, there's definitely a lot to like about it. I mean, the product is uh, very interesting. So if you're not familiar, if you've never been to Fiji and participated in the, the local sort of uh, carver ceremonies there, it's a... Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a sort of a medicinal product that comes from the root of the kava uh, kava plant. Uh, it gives you a sort of a, a, a feeling of relaxation or mellowness. It's not an intoxication like alcohol. It's more like a a buzz or relaxation. Uh, dare I say, like marijuana. Uh, but it's all uh, sort of uh, TGA approved, FDA approved. It's all uh, pretty tame sort of stuff. So it's it's 
uh, like a, a, a herbal tea that uh, with some some benefits. Um, so these guys, they do it in a pill form. They do it uh, hopefully for them in a, in a um, sort of a drinking powder form that you'll be able to buy from Coles. Uh, you stir it up, um, you let it sit for a while, and then you have a drink. Um, I, I had no idea what it was, and I had looked at some videos. I'm going to go out and get some of this stuff, Nadine, because I think I need some relaxation mm-hmm. after the year that has been 2021 in the markets. So it's a really interesting product, and it's and it's a minnow in terms of market cap, and they have been growing their revenues from literally about $70,000 per quarter started the year to about 400000 So tiny, tiny stuff again. And I think you're kind of getting the gist here, tiny, tiny. So with tiny, tiny comes high risk, but potentially high rewards. It could only ever be a risk-only bet in anyone's portfolio under any circumstances. It's pretty early in the piece. Um, I know I'm sounding a bit boring by saying that, uh, but the chart is telling me it's early as well. So we've got this really well-entrenched downtrend you can see on the screen right now. When other people start to see um, the value in this, start to get excited about it, what I'm going to see is the price start to tick up. I'm going to see the volume come in to tell me that the interest is there. I'm going to see high peaks and high troughs. I'm going to see white candles. And when all of those things occur, I'm going to jump on board and say, hey, this is the greatest thing, the greatest thing ever. But until then, it's a pass for me. Not yet. Well, just today, uh, Fiji Cava has received first approval from the Commonwealth Department of Health for the importation of drinking cava. So it's got approval to bring the first commercial import of drinking cava into Australia. Um, So with that as the backdrop, health and wellness as well, um, Claude. You know, it's a big sort of push. There's lots of money to be made. There's lots of branding and marketing to be done in that space. Uh, would you look at Fiji Kava as a company that is worth a punt, to use Shivneet's terminology? Well, I think punt is right, definitely. Um, I don't know how it's going to work out for the momentum traders. If you look at that long-term chart, then there was just like one spike, you know, years ago when there was a bunch of hype about it, and then you know it stayed up there for a little bit, and then went and then went straight properly back down into the doldrums where it's been ever since. So that's a pretty hard stock to momentum trade. Uh, especially given it's going to need to keep issuing shares um, to, to raise capital to continue its operations. It just raised capital at eight cents just the other day, I think two and a bit million dollars, 2.67 million dollars there. So that's boarded another, I think it was about burning about a million and a bit per quarter. So that's boarded another, you know, I guess it could last another year at most, I'd say, before it needs to raise capital again, although it's probably being a bit generous. So, uh, you know, uh, this doesn't make sense to me at all. I, it's obviously it's a story that's going to try and um, get investors and because they need to raise capital. But I don't see where the profit margins are in the end. Uh, there's a whole lot of risks that they're going to take as well. So a cyclone can come and interfere with um, carver crops. And at the same time, there can be if it does become more legal for you know people to grow it, for example, and if there is a commercial market, then there can, there can be instant competition. This is a, you know, Carver's like basically, they're trying to make it a brand and fair play, that, that's what they've got to do. But really, it's going to play out as a commodity, so it's not going to be fat margins or anything like that. So yeah, super, super high risk punt. Don't see why you'd do it at all. I think you've just got to time it and get lucky. Uh, you saw the long-term chart had, had a big spike when there was a bunch of hype at some point. Um, you you know, you need to basically be hoping that you 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 buy it and you're holding it and then the hype comes along before you get bored and and you can sell for a profit but i don't really see how this is going to become a long-term profitable compounder like you know a long-term investor would look for there you go that's the answer for you shivneet thank you so much for writing in let's get to number four on our list shall we and it is cpt global alex claude is asking is this another technology one 
or objective corporation? Is it in the same, same league? Why or why not potential? CPT Global CGO is the ticker code. Well, I really do hope uh, Alex is listening because that's like a really great question. I love the thinking. That's exactly what I do is I go around at these small caps that look like they could maybe be something better, high quality business one day. And I try to see if you know, I can get them early. However, I think what you need to remember about CPT Global is, I mean, first of all, um, you know, it has some uh, heuristics that definitely make it interesting. For example, it make a profit. It has made a profit like quite a few times in the past, um, if not solidly. Uh, it is still, um, you know, the founder is there leading it. So there's alignment there. And, you know, you know, you're going to, you know, it's a valuable business. that's probably going to still be around in 10 years. So it's not, it's not in the same league as Fiji Carver, but asking if it's in the same league as an ex extremely profitable recurring revenue, extremely large sticky customers. That's the league of technology one and objective corporation. They have the top tier um, customers on like virtually recurring contracts that just make it easy for them to grow every single year. However, CPT Global um, basically is not doesn't have such good recurring contracts. And so it can be more lumpy half to half. So, so example, they actually had quite a good profit last year. And when I was reading their results and thinking, oh, blimey, this looks so cheap on the profit. Of course, they do sort of admit and forecast. Well, sometimes they have a really good half and that makes one year's profit look particularly good because it's not necessarily recurring. They can't necessarily keep that up forever. So it kind of has to trade on a lowish RPE multiple. And I was talking to, I, you know, in preparation, I called the fund manager actually who I know owns this stock and knows it better than I. And sort of we had a bit of a discussion about, you know, what this is priced at based on more normalized his expectations of earnings. And look, you know, I come away thinking it's kind of reasonably priced for a microcap. So probably uh, say it makes around six cents next year, then it's still cheap. Like it's still fairly cheap. You're probably not going to, your downside's probably not too bad if you want to buy and hold this long term. And you're buying that option that they can maybe improve um, the business by gradually growing. I think the one thing that could make their business improve is that um, now companies are more accepting of remote work. Previously, they always had to have their technicians on the site of their large customers because that's what they insisted with. COVID's allowed them to do more remote stuff, which allows the same person to do more jobs. And because they're essentially leveraging off the salary of these technical employees, if they can get those employees to be more productive through remote working for the clients, then that could be a lift for them. So that's maybe what we're seeing. And if that proves to have improved the quality of the business, then maybe that's your little thesis there. So I like the idea, but personally, I would sort of call it more reasonably priced. So I guess I'd go with the hold. Hold. Thank you, Carl. Uh, you can talk about the company fundamentally if you like, or by the charts. What do you think? Yeah, I'll talk about the charts. I mean, Claude said he liked the idea. Uh, I like the chart, and then I go and check the idea behind the chart. So that's kind of it's showing how different um, investors look at the market. So basically, I run. I've got you know a bunch of criteria I look at. I program it into my trading software. I click um, scan, and 2,600 you know ASX stocks scanned in about a minute. 
I get a shortlist and I go through the charts of those shortlists and then I go, oh, that's a nice chart. That's a nice chart. That's a nice chart. Here's my shortlist. Let's go investigate what these companies do if I don't know what they do. Generally, I do. Um, and this would be a, a, company, a, a stock that comes up on my scan because it looks amazing on the technicals. Bottom left, top right, you know, you know, step up pattern. Everything looks beautiful. And then I get really excited and I go, well, let's investigate what this company does and see if, if the business backs up the chart. And it's one of those few times, I think, where the business doesn't back up the chart. And it happens very rarely. I'm not saying this is a terrible company. I'll echo everything Claude said on the fundamentals. I just don't think there's enough in it for me to get excited enough to back the chart, which looks good, if that makes any sense. So I think if you've got it, hold it. Um, you know, I agree with everything Claude says about lumpy earnings. Uh, they're investing for growth, so increasing staff costs. Increasing, they're trying to pivot to an SA, a software as a service model, SAAS. Uh, but that could take years. I just, as good as the chart looks, I couldn't find a reason to buy it. So it's a pass for me. There you go. So interesting to think about the different approaches to investing and what goes into it. Um, let's see what the guys make of Enero Group. This one is for Gus. EGG is the ticker code. This is one that's come up a few times on the call and just going by memory, sometimes uh, we get uh, a, a sort of a surprisingly optimistic view on the company. Uh, what do you think of an arrow group, Claude? I think that um, I bet it comes up because it probably scans is pretty cheap. Like it has a decent dividend yield. I think about 3.8%. Um, so, you know, what it does is a special marketing and communications business that's, that's actually quite global. It's in mm -hmm. seven countries and it has, and this is the key, yeah, it has some good clients, right? It's got like Facebook and, and a few other big names on its book. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're like, you know, they're fairly well thought of as what they do. And they have 600 employees who are like, you know, the experts at marketing and all that sort of stuff. So similar to CPT Global, in a way, this is a business that basically, you know, it leverages people with specific technical expertise. It's the company with those people. And then it essentially hires those people out to other companies. So it has that business model where you're kind of trying to get a margin on top of um, your people. And now uh, what that means is that there's a, there's a bit of natural sort of cyclical, cyclicality risk in the business because if you've got a certain number of employees and then demand drops off, your cost base essentially stays the same so that that can affect your profit badly. So that's probably one of the reasons why this has never commanded like a huge multiple, even though it's actually... If you look at the last few years, it's grown by acquisition reasonably well. Like it's been increasing its profits and all of that sort of stuff. So it's not too bad a company, but you know, it's not really growing that much. I'm not sure how strong that organic growth is. It's definitely using acquisitions to grow, put it that way. And the second part is even if it does look like it's growing organically, you've got to think about how much is that true system growth? Is there a long-term tailwind there? Or is it just like the cyclical process of, you know, we have hot times everything's up all these new companies are being launched spending on marketing all that sort of stuff that's great for these guys it's a bit of a pro cyclical stay there so this is a stock that is literally it has appeared on my little watch list i do for myself buy in a crash watch list you know if we actually have it's like a buy in a recession one if you actually have a recession where people are cutting all these costs these guys get killed on revenue and then they look really ugly for a while that might be the time to buy them. This could be a, a pro-cyclical then upbound mm -hmm. out, of the, out of the recovery. So that's what I'd do for these guys. Now, look, the yield's still okay, so I'm not going to call them a sell, but I don't see a fundamental thesis for buying them right now. Carl, would you agree that uh, you'd want to get a narrow group? But even though it can look cheap on the surface, you'd want to wait till there was a more significant pullback? 
Uh, yes and no. I don't mind buying short-term pullbacks within long-term trends, but I don't like buying, um, you know, crashes or things like that because I need an uptrend. So I'm a trend follower. Uh, so, but the trend on this one's actually very good. You know, it's a really strong uh, chart, bottom left, top right, sort of step-up pattern. Um, I think it reflects uh, some, where it is in the cycles. Claude said it's a cyclical business, and I totally agree with that. But I think we're at the right place of the cycle for this business. So, you know, we've got interest rates are low. Uh, consumers are more cashed up than they've ever been. And, you know, I, th- I think businesses are seeing a lot of opportunity out there post-COVID. Uh, and that means uh, spending on marketing and uh, business optimization and brands uh, optimization, all these things, uh, data analytics that uh, Nero Group do. Uh, about a 4% dividend yield. Um, Fully, uh, fully frank, so that's very attractive. Um, Claude talked about uh, organic growth. Uh, last um, quarterly update said it was about 14%, which is which is pretty good. You know, not bad at all mm-hmm. uh, for what is you know a steady grower. So you know, it's consistent profit growth over the last five FYs, including COVID. So that, <laughs> including COVID, right? And potentially, well, there was a recession. I didn't feel like a recession because we're in Australia, but there was a recession. So maybe that counters some of those uh, arguments there uh, as well. So uh, look, I think it's been a really steady performer. I think it's well, um, well valued. Uh, I've got a fair value target of four, 4.43, which is about 14% upside with that 4% dividend yield and a nice chart. Uh, it's just going tick, tick, tick for me. So I have to be a buy. Buy for an arrow group coming from Carl Kapwerlinga. Thank you, guys. Look, we're here. Whoa, whoa, was Carl, was Claude going to say something? Oh, yeah, I just feel like I don't think that the the little recession thing disproves my point at all. If you look at the, like, five-year chart, the pretty much the absolute all-time five-year low was, like, in the COVID panic. Like, the market sold off this brutally um, down from, like, 230 to, like, down there. So, that's... Yeah. If you're, you're if, you've got, like, if you're real tough, yeah. but it is a buy and a crash one. I still maintain basically. Yeah, it's look. It's one we've backed early in that turnaround for that exact reason um, that it just you know it's got sold baby with the bathwater stuff. So we had a buy on it. I think August last year in about 165. We've stuck with it since then. I can't see any reason why you shouldn't stick with it because all of those fundamentals are still yeah. in place. The, cool. the momentum. I can see why a momentum trader would go with it now. It, absolutely, like it's been a massive rebound. Well done. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like where we're at halfway through this program. I'll just remind you uh, what we've learned so far. So the stock of the day was EBOS Group and uh, Claude has had his mind changed by Carl. He will be taking up his entitlement as the company is looking to raise funds from equity uh, as it looks to buy that uh, that business for $1.2 billion. So yeah, Carl says it's a good long-term hold. Uh, Claude does as well. Neo Metals was the first on the list from you, Chris, and it's a buy for uh, Carl. Sorry, two C's. I'm going to get confused constantly. Carl, who says that it is a buy out in Perth. He believes in the stock. He does like the battery recycling operations. He would own it with a long-term view, knowing that there will be peaks and troughs in that. But Claude wants to wait for profitability. It's currently on zero revenue, $80 million in cash, and it's burning through it at quite the rate. Number two on the list was Bubs Australia for Trudy. Look, uh, Carl says that he is watching the chart. He would look to 
buy. Um, I think it's down around 55 cents if it starts to get a bit of momentum. It's a hold for now. It's a hard pass though for Claude. He thinks that Carl is being a bit too generous when he looks at the business fundamentals. Fiji Cava punt is right in Claude's view. This is something that is just super high risk. Could be lucky in a trade, but this is not a long-term investment. Hey, look, it's so small that Carl says it's very high risk. It's um, too early to tell really from the chart, so not yet. You'd want to wait before you would get into Fiji Kava. CPT Global, it is a hold. Um, look, Charles says the, cart, the chart doesn't look too bad, but the business does not back it up. He's not interested. It could take a long time before it becomes that SaaS model that it really wants to be. It's a hold for Claude. It's founder-led. It's profitable. So there are some good things about it, but not a lot of recurring revenue. It would be, if anything, a very, very long-term buy and hold, but he, he, he ultimately said it's just a hold at this time. In Arrow Group, you just heard the reasoning, it's a buy for Carl Capulinga from Think Markets, and it is a hold for Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Um, look, he's just questioning where a lot of that organic growth will continue to come through, wondering if it's just uh, you know, in a sweet spot in the cycle at this stage of the game, which Carl does say, yes, it's in a sweet spot in the cycle. He's got a price target of $4.43, so upside still, plus that dividend, it is a buy from him. That brings us to the Osbiz portfolio. This is thanks to our partner, NabTrade. Thanks, NabTrade. We've been tracking it since July 1st of last year. So all of the co companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy has to be from both of the guests on the day it goes into the portfolio. And it remains there until one guest potentially says sell. So let's get a check in on how we've been performing weekly. We're up just over 1%. On the month, we are down just shy of 1% in year to date, uh, just shy of 8% higher. Since the fund's inception though, that's July 1st of 2020, we're up about 45.5%. Recently, we added Adair's Magellan Financial, Genworth Mortgage Insurance, Adore Beauty, and Hub24. But we've taken out Ingham's, Atomos, BAPCOR, and Harvey Norman. I hope BAPCOR came out before last week. Anyways, you can check all of the companies that we have in there. ETFs as well, by the way. You can go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and keep us tuned in. We'll keep you updated as well. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Welcome back to the call. It's wonderful to have you with us on this Thursday. And we've got our list started with Carly. She's written in about West Farmers. No context here, guys. But again, Carl, given you're in Perth, and it's a Perth-based conglomerate, let's start with you on West Farmers. So it's got a bit on the table for API. We know the trends that we saw through Bunnings. It's also got exposure in chemicals and commodities. So would you be buying West Farmers now? Do you like its defensive qualities considering we are in a more volatile environment than we have been? Yeah, look, I do. I do like West Farmers in terms of it's so diversified. You know, it's this industrial and retail conglomerate. I mean, this 
almost opposite ends of the world, but thrust together. And, uh, you know, it's got chemicals, fertilizers, lithium. It's even in lithium now, uh, potentially green hydrogen. There's, there's, there's so many things going on. And they, they just sort of pivot and, and move with the trends and, and where the, they see the growth is going to be. So I like that. You know, they're, they're quite nimble in terms of their approach for such a big company. Um I like the chart. I think, you know, the chart looks very good. So it's, it's it's not exactly bottom left, top right, which is my typical one, but it has, um, you know, has gone from that phase into a bit of a pullback. And I think you're getting it more more at, at a sort of a buy the dip um, scenario rather than sort of um, paying the highs that it was sort of mid-August. So um, it's all stacking up. The only thing I'm, I'm not happy with is just the valuation. I think it's fairly valued at this point in time. And as in like right here is our fair value target. And with a dividend yield of about 3%, it's, there's not enough in it on a total shareholder return turn basis to call it a buy but based upon everything i've said it certainly is a valid hold for your long-term self-managed super fund portfolio uh, but maybe not one that growth investors are going to chase thank you claude what do you think father-in-law stock yeah i do think that i think it's a good one for the people that love dividends because basically it's got such a diversified portfolio of assets that it's going to in a way probably uh unless something really goes wrong with management it's going to rise and fall with the health of Australia as a country in a lot of ways. So if you want to have a bet on Australia, West Farmers is like a reasonable proxy for that for a while. And, you know, they're even going to strengthen their um, different, uh, you know, businesses with the purchase of API, which is also like, you know, a good quality distribution business sort of competing with EBOS Group, which we are talking about before. So it's just one of the big ones. Um, I don't find it particularly compelling for myself because... A 3.3% yield is not going to make a huge difference to my life. But for people that are dividend investors, I think it certainly makes sense. So a father in, father-in-law stock for me, I'd say. It's a hold. Right? You wouldn't be buying yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it's like, a hold. I, I personally wouldn't. But like if somebody was, um, yeah, like I could, I, you could even buy it now. Like this is just one of probably a handful of super blue chip stuff that, I wouldn't blame any, uh, you know, self-managed super fund investor who wants dividends to have a little bit in that. So I could say you could even, you could buy like analysts are forecasting $2 per share dividend in FY23-4. That's going to be a 3.3% yield, you know, versus the bank account. That's not too bad as long as you've got a long-term view and you're not going to need to sell those shares because obviously they could go up or down. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Thank you. So that was for Carly. Let's get on to Dave's pick. Computer share, CPU. I'll start with you, Claude. I was just listening to Michael Jenicky from Credit Suisse. He had computer share as his pick for the Osbiz advent calendar today, talking about strength in the core business, but also that it stands to really benefit if we start to see interest rates rising, and particularly perhaps at a faster clip than the market is expecting. What do you think of computer share, Claude? Well, I... I definitely am glad you brought up that uh, little buy thesis for it because that is the one that has been going around for so long now. I can remember years ago people talking about having computer share there in their portfolio uh, uh, in the event that, you know, interest rates rise. And finally, you know, that's what we're hearing again now. And as interest rates go up, then I think I feel like the popularity of computer share goes up there. But, however, having said that, I would actually say that... Um, I would avoid computer share. I think a huge amount of their business shouldn't exist, right? There's the I feel like share registry services and all of those things are massively over, overcharged. They haven't been sufficiently digitized. Um, still to this day, I think everybody knows how annoying it is that you get huge amounts of mail from share registries, which isn't necessarily their fault. It's just that, that we haven't got the systems yet where they can email it to you. But I mean, surely change must be coming. 
surely, you know, the efficiency uh, at some point, you know, someone's going to find a way to disrupt companies like computer share properly. I mean, so for that reason, I don't see it as a blue chip kind of business in the way I would see West Farmers as being a blue chip business. I see it as like an incumbent that deserves to be disrupted and like wrecked by somebody, but that person hasn't come along yet. I hope they do soon. <laughs> well, that is going to be an avoid. So let's go with you, Carl. What do you think? Uh, do the charts state your case? Do the fundamentals back them up? Yeah, look, I think both. Both. That's a very uh, close assessment for what I have uh, on this one. Uh, that, look, what, what Claude says about potentially uh, computer share being the incumbent and a disruptor coming in and changing things around, quite possibly. Hey, look, I... Maybe, I don't know. I can only go on what I can see right now, uh, which is, you know, as you said, a, a fairly strong core business um, and then uh, which did pretty well through COVID because it's it's bread and butter stuff, right? I mean, shares are still listed. Uh, there are still shareholders. There are still dividends to go out. There are capital raisings uh, and CPU gets a little the clip every time something occurs. But their real bread and butter is, uh, for example, if uh, Fortescue pays a dividend, how many billion dollars that was, Computer shares holding on to that money for a period of time before they then distribute it to the accounts of the various shareholders. And whilst they're holding that capital, they're earning um, interest on it. And that goes to computer shares. So I'm not sure if people understand that that's what's actually happening with your dividend in the meantime. But this is this is the kind of the, the crux of it. So if uh, rates go up as the market is forecasting, we're talking potentially doubling or nearly doubling its earnings over the next three, three FYs. And that's the risk. That's the risk in it. If it doesn't happen, then you've got a very sort of slow, mundane uh, growth rate. So maybe the market has factored some of it in. I still think there's some upside here. I'd still be happy to buy it. I think the trend is still fantastic. I still think the market is um, obsessed with this idea that interest rates are going to go higher. And whilst that's the case, I still think there's some more upside in the uh, in the in the chart. And therefore, you would watch this, and you would obviously um, you know be, be attentive to signs that maybe that trend is changing. But for now, I still think you can own it. It's a buy. Thank you. Computer share for you, Dave. Maxine has written in about Playside Studios. So just the other day, I believe that Playside Studios did, it's a video game developer, um, for those of you um, that are you know, playing along at home, and it did a deal which I thought was very clickbaity with a Shiba Inu game. So that is from that uh, infamous uh, digital asset token. Um, look, I don't know exactly what materially was behind that deal. Um, but, you know, they did do quite well off the back of that announcement and the share price has been doing it very well. I think over the past 12 months, up by close to 200%. Carl, am I right? Is there more in it? <laughs> uh, probably not. No, it's not actually anything to do with the Shiba Inu token. It's sort mm -hmm. of a, a company that has started up to, to play on the popularity of the token. They want to develop some sort of trading card game. I, I was scouring that announcement for uh, indications that it would be sort of uh, developed uh, on the blockchain. The game would be developed on the blockchain, but I can't see any indication of that. I'm happy for somebody to shout at this screen and correct me if I'm wrong, but it yeah. just seems to I mean, be I, I didn't a mobile sort of read online. all the details and understand it either, so I'm glad yeah. you go with what you know. But, but if it is, I mean, look, if it is, I mean, there's massive, massive growth in, uh, you know, uh, sort of play and get paid. Uh, so people just playing these games and earning an income in cryptocurrency, which then they can trade for other things with that cryptocurrency or even sometimes convert to, to fiat. 
So it's an, it is an interesting space, but I don't think that's how you, you you look at this one. I think that's just uh, one small part of what they're doing. They're going to, you know, it's a fee for service, so they're going to get paid probably either way whether the the final thing um, succeeds. And I'm pretty sure there's no revenue share on that one. But conceptually, what they do is they'll develop um, games for, for for other corporations uh, where they may well share the revenues for that as as part of their um, development. Um, fee, and they develop their own games. So they've got this uh, Age of Darkness, which is uh, was was very popular a few weeks ago. Um, I'm not sure where it is right now on the on the uh, Steam charts, which is where you go. I'm sure that's where you go, Nadine, to download all your latest games. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> uh, no comment. Uh, but uh, look, anyway, long story short, I think there's, there, I mean, there's an actual business here. So, uh, and it's a growing business, and it's in a massively growing area, and they kind of are the go-to um, for a lot of these big corporations. Uh, that that want to you know get an app or get a game game going and and gamification uh, of of your, your your database is very big of course to keep um, you keep your, your database sticky and engaged um, so yeah look I, I like the industry I like the company I like what they're doing um, they they got pretty close to you know operational cash flow positive in their last quarterly update the trend is a bit lumpy as you would expect with a company that is more sort of um, fee for service uh, you know it's sort of so so so. It's good on in that regard. So yet lumpy, but still heading in the right direction. Um, $115 million market cap. So not a, a big uh, cap by any st- stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. It still looks quite a small cap. They've got about $33 million in the bank. Okay, so just to put it into perspective. Bottom line is, uh, I like the chart. I like them. Um, a couple of tips for people who own this, because I know a lot of people who follow me, um, follow, follow my, my research, and particularly on Twitter, because I've been tweeting about this one. Um, we've got about 1.6 million shares came out of escrow yesterday. They're trading on the market today, and the stock is up. So that was a big pressure point for me to see if they were going to sell or they're going to hold on. The fact the stock is up today, I think that's telling me that they're going to hold on. We had the placement at 75 cents, and those um, they're going to be trading tomorrow. Uh, so that's going to be the next stage to see how the placement shares go. So if we can hold steady through all of this supply coming into the market, it's telling you that they're hodlers, H-O-D-L-E-R-S, mm-hmm. uh, and not traders. And I think it, it sets up a really great technical base to match the strong fundamentals. So I'm, uh, a lot of people follow me, hold it. I would continue to do so. If you don't have it, it would only be a risk money bet. Thank you. What do you think, Claude? Too risky? Uh, it's it's an interesting business, and it is a real business, so that's uh, that's cool. If if you're worried about the shares that came out of escrow uh, recently, then you're going to be very very worried about the uh, 260 million shares that are still escrowed and not quoted on the ASX yet. So I really year. wanted to just zo- next, next to Sim. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so I really wanted to zoom in on that because um, you know, at the moment there's 140 million shares on the ASX, which is, means the shares trading on the ASX have a market capitalization of like 110 million or whatever Carl said then. But actually, um, if you include the unlisted shares, which is, you know, uh, 260 million, then the actual market cap of the company uh, based on, you know, the current share, cr- share price is about 340 million. And I just think it's important to keep that in mind for anyone who may be trying their hand as an analyst and getting to learn about this company is like, what are you actually paying for if you buy it at, at the current price? Well, it's actually 340 million rather than 110 million, which is what your Comsec or your, you know, whatever broker you use, it's going to say that because it's actually just talking about the listed shares, but it's not uh, reflecting the actual market capitalization of the company if you include those unlisted shares. So 
I'm not sure uh, how, you know, the market's going to take that when, you know, all those other shares do mm -hmm. come on the market. But uh, at the moment, what I think is driving it is that, um, you know, I think Carl's done a really great job covering the, the some of their business, which is, a, I guess, their main business, which is outsourcing to, to make games for other people. But they're... Uh, the big thing that moved the share price recently was uh, the launch of their new yeah. game that they sort of have rights to, Age of Darkness Final Stand. So I think that that's what you have to think about. And, you know, this is a real-time strategy game, and we don't know how popular it's going to be yet, but if they actually have a very popular real-time strategy game that's happening on Steam and that has critical mass and it lasts for years and years and years, then that's probably when it maybe actually is still a good buy if it turns out that because these games engage people so much more can be monetized in so many more ways mm -hmm. but in terms of the the four higher contract work i don't think that that comes close to justifying the current market capitalization given that they're not yet profitable or anything based on okay. that they're really just business to build up their own ip so very high risk bet one to watch i used to own it i sold out um but that doesn't mean I think it's bad. It just means that I missed out on on the on the little share price rocket when it launched this new um, game. Yes. So that's what the excitement's about. So it's on the watch list. It's not a buy, though, correct? No. Yeah. Okay. OpenPay is the next on the list. Uh, this is for Paul. Looking at it as a potential buy, it is. Um, I guess it's just a buy, hold, sell for this one because we talk a lot about buy now, pay later. Paul's wondering how it differentiates itself. We don't have time to go into the details on open pay, so I am going to be a bit brutal. Claude, buy, hold, sell, open pay. Uh, just an easy sell. It's one of the lower tier, um, you know, buy now, pay later kind of companies, and all those stocks are in a bear market. I feel like we'll be united in this one. Yeah, Carl, what do you think? Because it's been pretty brutal for buy now, pay later as of late, and take a look yeah. at that chart. Uh, look, it's not expensive when you compare it to the afterpays and zips, but whether it's valid to compare those compared to those is, is a question mark. Uh, the chart clearly, as you can see, is bottom left, top right, so can't get a buy from me. Uh, I think you're about to get diluted. They're gonna have to do a couple of raises because they're running out of cash. Uh, and so I'm just questioning whether it's even a hold. Uh, maybe I'm gonna go with Claude and call it a sell. That's a sell, first uh, unanimous sell of the day. And then we get to Elsidian, and I did wanna leave a little bit of time for Elsidian. Claude, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you are a shareholder in the company. We spoke with the CEO just today, a little bit earlier on. It has recently spent about $55 million on uh, bolstering its offering. So was that a smart move by Elsidian uh, share price and where it sits now to where it's going? Are you taking some profits? I'm not taking profits, actually. I just wrote an article about this acquisition this morning. I sort of do feel a little bit worried about it because they um, have bought a company that's just not growing. And I just never like to see that because uh, it just usually means that something's not really sufficiently compelling. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But their strategic rationale is basically like they can bid for more um, projects if they combine this with their existing product suite. So you know, maybe they're buying this too and then they'll be able to r stimulate growth. So it does, it makes sense there. Look, the share price is down a fair bit today because they decided to raise capital at 25 cents, but their share price was above 30 cents before they made that announcement. So a lot of people are fairly disappointed that, um, you know, they have raised at such a lower price, which I really speaks to the fact, I think that they really wanted to get this deal off. Mm -hmm. And they may have, you know, rushed that or not. Forgive. Yeah, that was a bit suboptimal, but it's probably not the end of the world, given that, you know, also all shareholders such as myself will also have the right to buy some shares at, at 25 cents, which I'm probably going to do. You know, that's 
what I'm thinking, but you know, probably Kyle has some has a view on the chart there. I don't know if that that's a good chart or a bad chart on the long term. <laughs> Certainly, since I've been following it, it has come a massive way as a business, and for that reason, um, I'm willing to just back the CEO's judgment. It's not a huge holding for me, about two percent of my portfolio, but I will add a little to that probably in the in the capital raising that's coming up. That can I consider a buy then. What about you, Carl? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of uh, CGO, where um, the chart looked good, but I didn't like the business. Um, I like the business, I don't like the chart. So until the two marry up, it won't be a buy for me. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a fair bit going on in terms of uh, the fundamentals. I haven't had a chance to really sort of drill down on this latest deal. And I'm glad that Claude sort of explained where that um, capital raising uh, price is at, because it explains not so much that the market didn't like the deal, maybe the market just didn't like the the price obviously why would you pay 30 if you can get it back at 25 so it explains that um yeah look a uh, long story short with the chart in such a well entrenched short-term downtrend uh, and without it showing signs of regaining the longer term uptrend i can't be a buyer however if you do have it i think um, you would uh, move with claude and uh, pick up some at 25 cents Thank you guys so much. It's hard to believe, honestly, this hour just flew by. I know that I always say it, but I'll just wrap things up quickly for our viewers before I thank you again. And West Farmers was number six on the list. Look for a self-managed super fund, a long-term hold. Claude's calling this a buy. It's a father-in-law buy. It's a hold for Carl. He loves the business, obviously, but again, it's a long-term hold for an SMSF because it's just not as exciting. There's not a lot of growth or huge growth potential in there for Carl. Computer share, it, well, we've got a disagreement here. Was a buy for Carl. It is a sell for Claude. He says it's just an area of the market that is ripe for disruption. Playside Studios, that was a good explanation. It's on the watch list again for Claude. It's a hold. Carl's been backing this one for a while. He wouldn't buy now, but he would be holding it if you followed him into that. Number nine, open pay, unanimous sell on this one, Paul. That one was for you. And for Sharon Alcidian, bit of news associated with the company. I encourage you to go listen to that interview that we do have up online with the CEO, Kate Quirk. It is a buy for Claude, because he's a little nervous about this latest acquisition, but he is going to exercise his rights. Carl wants the chart to get in line with the fundamentals, so until it does so, it is a hold for him. Carl Capulinga, Think Markets in Perth. Thank you, as always, for bringing your perspective to these companies that we just spoke about. Thank you, Nadine. Thanks, Claude. Catch you later. Yeah, and Claude Walker from A Rich Life, thank you as well. And uh, yeah, great to get some, some of your views as being a shareholder in a couple of those companies as well. So we do hope you have a good afternoon. Thank you both. It was lots of fun. Okay. Any stocks you would like us to cover, flick us an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us at osbiztv. And you can check that portfolio out at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio.